This podcast is supported by MileHighShooting.com. And Mile High Shooting is having an awesome giveaway to anyone who orders anything off the website through December. So you still have a few days and meaning a few days, I'm like, really mean just a few more days to get in to win a free Zeiss scope. Actually, they're giving away a couple free Zeiss scopes to people who buy anything online between or during the month of December. They're also giving off a hundred dollars, you know, for a purchase of I forget how much it was, but but it's a certain percentage. It's like they're giving ten percent off for purchases of a certain quantity, fifteen percent off, you know, for purchases of a certain you know amount, and so on and so forth. So they've got a number of great deals going on right now. They also have tons of ammunition, firearms, and equipment, all of which are high-end pieces of equipment. Most of us that listen to this podcast go through a lot of ammo. I shoot a lot of factory ammo, so I go in there all the time to buy factory ammo. I always have a huge supply of high-quality ammunition, and I still think the Federal 130 Gold Medal Match 6.5 Creedmoor is the best deal out there for ammo. But they've got 6 Creedmoor uh, Hornady, six Creedmoor, that's pretty cheap. They've got um, a bunch of PRC, some other things. i got to go back in there and look to see what they've got available. Um, they've got uh, Vitavore powders. They've got Lapua brass, burger bullets, Hornady bullets, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So just go to their website, peruse through their items, and if you're looking to get something, that's a great place to do it. It's my local shop. It's also a great way for you to potentially, you know, win a $3,000 scope for something that you needed to buy anyway. And uh, it's supporting a company that supports matches, supports shooters, supports everything in the industry. It supports, you know, law enforcement SWAT teams. I mean, they, they do all sorts of awesome things for the community. And a lot of it you don't get to see. It's behind the scenes. But... They support the shooting sports and people who shoot in a great way. And they're just a great company to be associated with. Super proud to have them as a supporter of the podcast. Can't say anything negative other than I wish more of you bought more stuff there. uh, Just to show them that the straight dope really loves mile high shooting. And uh, they give back as much as they get. I feel like they're, uh, you know, just an awesome company and great people, great owners, great company, great cause. So get after it. And uh, for those of you going to the Rifles Only Brawl, they tend to support that pretty extensively as well. Um, But let's get to the podcast. This is the Straight Dope Podcast. I know I told you guys that I was done for the year, but I decided to come out with uh, one last one for the year, and maybe not even the last one for the year for a couple reasons. There are a ton of outlets to listen to, to watch, to read posts from. And I know I'm just another one, but I have a lot of listeners I've got some negative feedback. I've got some industry pressure. I've got some suggestions from people to back off and kind of 
you know, streamlining to what's normally said and what's normally talked about, how it's normally talked about, so on and so forth. And I decided just to, you know, kick off and talk about um, the same stuff that I always talk about after, after kind of like responding to that. I started the podcast because there weren't outlets that came out with what I thought was good content enough regularly and with enough credible um, information that could like make me better and hear about the things I wanted to think about and talk about. And so I decided to start the straight dope podcast essentially just for myself. I'll talk about my journey and how it applies to my shooting and my exploration, not any specific niche not any specific style and not for any other specific reason than to broadcast how I have been continuously improving over time for myself with the results that I get. If you do something else or you have another outlet or style and it, it and you can benefit from this, it's a free podcast. It's awesome. And I'm glad and happy to help. I get hundreds and I mean, shit, there's, there's like 15,000 regular listeners. So there's plenty of people that don't do what I do. Um, or interest in what I do, but they obviously get something from it because they listen to it. So the people that have the negative feedback or criticisms, um, suck it, listen to something else. <laughs> that's, that's my answer. Like, who cares? You know, it's a free country and you can listen to whatever you want to, but if you're listening to this and it upsets you, turn it off and listen to something else. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of good outlets out there with good information because of that I just talk about my information and it may be good and it may not be good, but I think that it helps more people than it hurts. And if it offends you, then uh, to quote the suicidal tendencies, uh, maybe you needed to be offended. So let's get back to stuff. Uh, one of the first podcasts that I talked about anything on was training scars. Well, I'm going to talk about training scars because I feel like this plays a role in it. And part of the reason that I started the podcast, Riflecraft, in general, the drill and all of that stuff was because of the theme that I think about and categorize as training scars. Um, one of my grandparents was a, a physicist, a, a, you know, a good physicist. He, he passed away a number of years ago. Um, his his one of his graduate advisors was a physicist named Richard Feynman. And he said that science is the, God, I'm brain farting. The science is the belief in the ignorance of the experts. And I kind of hold that thought process, that, that, um, that idea pretty close. Everything that I do, you know, I listen to the experts. I consider what they're saying. I test it. If it doesn't work for me, you know, I note that. And, um, continue to explore whatever that is, however it is. But, you know, the, in the world, the proof is the results that you get, right? If somebody says, you know, you can just keep, you know, just keep trying and you're going to end up walking on water and you keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and expecting different results. That's a little bit crazy. But if you're changing things and trying things and testing what's known and what isn't known and exploring all the ins and outs, left and rights, a lot of the stuff that people do and explain it one way or the other ends up not being entirely true or truthful or helpful towards making progress forward. And with, with the shooting stuff, I feel like one of the training scars that I see regularly is that people listen to everybody and assume that because they're one thing or another, A, they know what they're talking about, and B, what they're saying is going to help them directly. And I, I think that 
very rarely do I see something posted by anybody that's considered an expert in this realm that really does help and apply to everyone. Most of the time they're selling something. And most of the time it it's probably true, but that true is relative, right? It's, it's relative and non-applicable to what you're trying to improve on. And so I think that even though somebody isn't that, that appeal to authority fallacy gets played on a lot and I'm perfectly willing and always open to the idea that I have no idea what I'm talking about and probably never will. But I don't think most people do anyway, particularly in precision rifle shooting, right? It's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, I've done this and it's worked. I don't need to change it. Or these things tend to work, but sometimes they don't and we can't explain it. Or if we do explain it, here's five or six ways of explaining what was going on. But if you look at those five or six ways of explaining what's going on, none of them really relate to each other or explain anything in a way where one is going to stand out over the other. And it tends just to be camps of, you know, me and my buddies or me and my mentor or me and somebody or a book or something like that said it. So it's really easy to dig your, your heels into a camp because of, you know, whatever, right? Well, problem I have with that is that a lot of really bad things happen when people join those kinds of clubs and start talking and thinking and behaving in ways like that. And I don't want to ever participate in something where I say my group is better and knows more. And if you do it different, you're wrong. I'm just not going to do that. And there's a lot of people that say, well, you know, I was, you know, X, Y, Z 20 years ago. Therefore I'm the expert. But then for the last 20 years, that's all they've ever talked about is the fact that they were something 20 years ago. And so a lot of times it's lapsed between, you know, whenever and whatever. Sometimes I joke that like, uh, in, Napoleon Dynamite, like his uncle Rico played a lot of football in high school, right? But now he's however old talking about, you know, how he could have been a great football player. But it's like, man, every day that we're alive, we have an opportunity to grow. And who you are is a reflection of every day of your life that you've lived. And you've lived a lot of days since a lot of these accomplishments. And so you know, with, with Mark on talking about backpacking and shooting and some of my friends that come on, I say like, look, I've done a lot of things in my life, but a lot of time has elapsed since a lot of those. I'm no longer a subject matter expert in a lot of areas that I once was. And I'll never use laurels to promote something that I'm doing now or ever for that matter. But I'll always be curious about the world. And right now I'm curious about the precision rifle world because it's fun. It's an art and a hobby and something that will always continue to get better and understand better. And we do that by questioning what we're doing, how we're doing, and how people describe what it is. But if somebody says, you have to load a bullet to 20 thou off the lance, I'm going to call bullshit. If somebody says, no, 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 this bullet jumps at 40 thou off the lance, has to. Bullshit. If somebody says, seating death doesn't matter, bullshit. If somebody says, jam the lance, you know, no matter what, I'm going to call bullshit on everything but I'll probably go try it too. <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? I think there's a huge training scar in doing what an expert told you to do, including me, including whoever of always doing that. There's also a huge training scar in not trying 
new things just because what you're doing works because there may be a way for you to do to accomplish the results that you have now and accomplish results that you can't accomplish now by changing something up and sometimes that means changing up what you're doing now even though it works in order to make room for something else that works right it's it's like um a version of Occam's razor of, you know, the simplest explanation that, that, that accomplishes, you know, similar tasks is probably the one that we're going to stick with. But when we come up with a better, simpler explanation that covers more ground, that's probably a better one to carry. But a lot of times that means giving up ground that you've already got covered. And in science, I remember a lot of resistance to change because, you know, the way you're doing things is working. And sometimes you have to give some of that up to go the next step. And some people say, well, you know what, I'm happy where I am. We're going to stay and do things this way because it works. And a lot of leaps forward, at least in the history of science have involved people resisting that change, you know, essentially like a lot of them just died out so that then the new generation that does things the next way can kind of carry that stuff forward. And I don't want to be the guy that digs my heels in and says, you know, I'm going to do this way till I die. I want to evolve and change and grow throughout the course of my shooting career and grow and explore all the styles and enjoy all of them and have fun. Um, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you don't accomplish the things that you want to do, but I also don't want to be a one trick pony. So I want to try everything and share my findings and say, this works great. This is how I'm going to do it for this competition for a while. But as soon as I find an area where there's a problem that I can't solve, all of a sudden, you need to stop and think about your process. Think about your gear. Think about the way that you think about everything and see if there's a way that explains everything that you do plus the thing that you can't do because you're missing something. I feel like we could probably accomplish and, uh, and succeed in growth and forward progress by occasionally giving up ground. You know, maybe like, you know, you got to dig in and work hard to accomplish some things. But when you get that goal, if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the results that you're getting. But in order to get results that you haven't got, something else has to come into the equation. You're not going to get results that you've never got without doing things that you've never done yet. You see where I'm going with this? And so the scar that I want you to think about and write down is really identifying you know, some of the things that you would like to do, but haven't accomplished some of the things that get you more often than not. Does the wind get you? Does kneeling shooting get you? Does finding targets get you? Does the clock get you? Does stress? Does your, does your mind get you? Does um, your ammo, what, whatever it is that you think is the explanation of what got you. Are there ways to change how you're thinking about it because the more and more I learn and the more and more I help people, the more I realize that a lot of the problems are coming back to a mental process of solving a problem more so than the gear equipment and mechanics of the shooting of the shooter. And, and largely because the stuff that I'm interested in involves pretty big targets, right? Like, you know, one MOA or larger targets, which in the big picture are pretty big targets, right? A lot of that is, you know, making calculations, making decisions, seeing things, being efficient. All of those I consider mental processes, not failures of equipment or getting screwed by the wind 
a lot of his decision making and be able to make the right decision on the clock. And that right decision sometimes is pretty clear outside of a stressful situation, but under the stress of a clock, under the stress of the shot that you need to make or something like that, those decision making processes fall apart. I think a lot of answering some of those questions and figuring out the sequence that you need to do things means giving up a little bit of why you're convinced you need a a new chassis or you need two more pounds to your rifle or you need a new scope or you need a better load. Or you need a, the answer is probably not that stuff, right? The answer is probably somewhere in your mental process, but you've got this training scar that's been taught to you largely, you know, by, by media and maybe if you can decouple that, some of those problems will start to answer themselves and, and you can prove to yourself that it's not one thing or another. And, and that might be wrong, right? It could be your equipment, right? You might, you might change your scope and go from a 50% hit rate to an 80% hit rate, right? I would bet against it if I was betting on it, but I've lost a lot of bets, right? I'm wrong a lot. I think that, but, you know, I like to think that what we think about what we do now, most of us feel like we're right. Most of us feel like we got it figured out. When I ask people, I spend a lot of time asking people about their shooting. You know, I, I, I just, I like that question and answer. I'll say, Hey man, you know, how do you do this? Right. What, what's your approach to something or other? And I'm not trying to assert how I do it. I'm not trying to assert a right way or a wrong way because I don't think there are right and wrong ways necessarily. It's can you accomplish the task in the required amount of time? right? That's the real answer is yes. If you can do that, great. Now it might not apply to another scenario because you won't have the time in another scenario, but if that's a scenario you never be in, it doesn't matter. So anyway, I ask a lot of people, Hey, you know, how do you, how do you do this? Like, do you hold wind or, or dial wind or how do you even call wind or do you not do any of that? You just kind of wing it, uh, you know, whatever, you know, what's your process for calling wind what's your process for going through target how do you write down your dope for your how are you gonna how are you gonna solve this problem and sometimes people say well you know sometimes people answer and i'm like oh that's cool and and, and occasionally people will say man how do you do it and i'm and I don't, i'm not trying to like you know i spend a lot of time on the podcast telling people how i do things how i think about things so in person i tend not to tell them like hey you know what you're doing is wrong this is how i do it but occasionally i'll be like you know this is how I do it. And I noticed that you don't do this and this, but you know, what about this and this? And they're like, Oh yeah, 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 totally. I totally get that. I know that. And it's like, well, you know, then, then it's, it raises like a, a really interesting curiosity and, you know, in me it's like, well, so you don't do that. You do this and I do this and I say, I do this. And you say, yeah, yeah I got it. Like totally. But I, I don't do that. At which point it's like, man, you know, one of us probably does it better than the other, but I don't, I don't know who. Right. And he, you know, that he thinks he's right. And I think, I, I think my way would probably work better. So, so what, you know, then it comes down to, well, shit, we could leave it at that or we could test it, you know, let's test your method. No, let's test my method and see what works. That didn't, that won't prove anything either, but, but it's still curious and fun. And it's like, okay, well, cool. What I like about that is, now I have two methods that I have in my quiver. Now I may or may not use that other method, but because I note it and tried it and note the differences, 
when I find a scenario where my method doesn't work, I can say, man, I wonder if so-and-so's method works here and try it. When, if I'm like, holy shit, that works in addition to mine, or you know, mine doesn't work, but his works. Well, that means I held a training scar, believing that I was right and my method worked better. And I may have learned it from somebody who was like, oh, you know, so-and-so. It's like, wow, this is their technique. And, you know, why would I ever question it? And that's why I would question it, because I ran into a scenario where someone else's technique worked better, faster, more efficiently. And, and, and my method didn't. Now, does it do that better, faster, more efficiently to more scenarios than mine? Or how do I know and determine, okay, here's a scenario where that technique needs to be applied instead of this technique? And being open to the idea that there's some techniques that are better than others. You know, do I want a free recoil? Do I want to, you know, do the, you know, not what people call free recoil, but not, you know, hand on the scope, pressure, light, butt pad pressure. Or do I really want to add body weight pressure to this shot? Well, probably depends on the rifle and the platform that I'm shooting on, the size of the target, right? The things that I need to see and those decision-making things. Now, I tend to shoot with more of a, a, a recoil management technique, like I add pressure to the rifle forward. Then I do the no pressure to the butt pad, pressure down from the top of the scope, like a lot of precision competitors do. But I do that because I'm in the field a lot, throwing things on the bipod and the tripod. And you know, I like to have a little pressure into it so that I'll lose my sight picture, uh, you know, and potentially unstable platforms you know whereas if we're on a stable platform that isn't going to move then you know it might be better to put your hand on your scope and 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 so on and so forth but but it's just a different style and I, I would know that based on the stability of the platform that i'm shooting on right because i'm stabilizing a little bit with my body but the point here is that when you're open to new ideas and try them and understand them create that quiver or that book or that that checklist of techniques that work for you and you prove to yourself that they work and i think that that's 100 percent vital that you do you have to prove that it works because you can get on youtube or facebook or instagram and see all kinds of dog shit that doesn't work and people saying how great it is and how great you know they did or so on and so forth and then you realize that it's total garbage just made up for advertising and entertainment and 90% of the media, 99% of the media on rifle shooting in general is largely in that entertainment zone. It's entertaining, but those techniques probably aren't really going to work very well. The shooters probably aren't as good as they say they are. You need to test them out at your range. And you can do it on paper at 100 yards. You could do it. You don't have to do it at a competition. But I think that you have to make sure that you validated it yourself some way somehow so that you have the confidence in knowing that a technique has a particular result, right? The training scar is believing the experts and believing the media to the point where you didn't test it out yourself. And, that, and that's very, very hard to do, period. But it's also hard to do because some of the equipment is so stupidly expensive. That's where I get a little bit bummed out about some of the shooting world because a lot of stuff gets pushed that's very expensive and it really didn't do what 
they say it's going to do, or it doesn't, there's not the value necessarily that, I mean, the value to them is that it supports them and their industry and their business. But there's a ton of stuff that it's just, you know, kind of blind faith. And then, and then the results don't really speak for themselves. And, and so I would say like, you know, borrow test, uh, maybe that's a value of, especially at field competitions, the shooters have a lot of, a lot of equipment and there's a lot of downtime where you can actually shoot and test out and handle gear um, and be exposed to a lot of, of variety because there's a much more variety of field matches uh, than, than there is at, at precision matches. Like the variety of tools and the ability for you to test and shoot and talk and show how they function and manipulate it to me, seems like really good upside to being at a competition and problem is like you either have to go shoot it or travel to it. And a lot of them are far away to do it, but I think that, I would hope that I encourage people to not only think for themselves, right. Which, which I want to do, but, but never be so confident in the way you do things now that you're not willing to be different next year. Because every single year, my shooting and thoughts and opinions are different, right. They don't just grow along one path, but I had ideas two years ago that I don't think were right anymore. And I changed them because I proved to myself through testing and being open to techniques that maybe weren't the ones that I was using two years ago, or maybe they were ones that I was using three years ago, gave up. You then used another one two years ago. And now I know the difference between the two and when and where to use them. I know the difference between bullets, bullet weights, velocity, loading. You know, there's, there's so much that's constantly piling up in terms of experience, but it's experience that I've gained at the range with my own data, my own ballistics. And I feel like I validate that by performance at matches and performance in training and testing. And then the performance and track record of the people that I've been coaching and helping along through the assessment and through the rifle craft stuff, the, the track record is there, but the problem is that it's constantly evolving and it's very easy to get stuck in a dogmatic approach and the appeal to authority, the expert fallacies, the, the, you know, the, the kind of suit that there's, there's also like a, a, you know, there's trends of saying like, well, here's the science, but it's like, I don't know. It, that, that seems fallacious to me as well, because it's not really helping anybody. And, it's appealing to something and then you're selling something else. And I, I think that that's kind of garbage too. Um, I mean, you don't necessarily, I mean, the math and the science is pretty freaking basic for shooting, but um, you know, there, there's a lot of appeals to things. And then when you look a little bit further, you know, it's, it's not selling things that are, you know, it's not like you're not taking a math class or a ballast, ballistics class or ballistician, something or other, you know, it always traces back to a product, it's nothing to do with, with, with any of that. So I, I think that it's interesting to trace the roots of the sources and the products and then look for, you know, how it's being credibly proven, right. By others. And can you credibly carry that proof forward yourself? Right. Because if it is science, you should be doing the exact same thing. You know, like, you know, they do it this way, you do it this way you get the same results. That's how science works. Science doesn't say, you know, here's the way it is. 
you know, sucks for you for not getting that. You must be doing something wrong, right? You need to be able to prove it and then say, if I can do it, you can do it. That needs to carry over, right? Now, I'm not saying that shooting is necessarily science because there's a lot of art to it. But but I am saying that when you lean too heavy onto one side or the other, um, you run into some trouble, right? And if it just came down to ballistics and it just came down to the wind reading that we have, people would be performing at a much higher level than they are. And they're not, right? None of us are. So there's a lot of misleading information. And somebody might say, you know what? You're misleading. Okay. Like, don't trust me. Don't listen to me. I'm not asking you to trust me. I'm just saying, I try to think for myself. I try to think about shooting for myself. I try to think about shooting as a problem solving activity. That's an art that is a kind of a lifelong pursuit with no real important goals, right? We assign value to the things that we're currently working towards. And my value is different than your value. There's no better outlet in the shooting sports. There's no real professional portions of the shooting world. You know, the, the competitive or whatever shooting world, like there's, there's really zero importance to it other than the importance that you assign to it. If you want to get better, you need to be able to look past the marketing and you need to be able to look past the dogma and the clicks and the trends. And, you know, basically like some of these groups are like gangs, you know, they're bullies and it's just entirely bullshit. Right. I mean, it's hard to escape from, but for you to improve towards the thing that you want to improve on, you need to be able to look through it all and look past it and not let it influence your desire to get better. And some of that starts with us saying like, look, we've got scars. We've got things that are holding us. We're holding ourselves back from growth. And a lot of the way we hold ourselves back is trusting the experts, trusting what's said, trusting what everybody knows to be true. If that was true, everyone would be better already. And right now we all pretty much suck, right? (laughs) Like we're shooting big targets and we have low hit rates. Right. If everybody's got a sub MOA gun, how come, you know, one and a half MOA national matches have 90%, 80% hit rates? Because we're not as good as we think we are. Our equipment's great, but there are reasons why we're not better and some of it is because we're listening to the wrong people and we're testing the wrong things and we're doing the wrong stuff to improve and we're not charting our, you know i think we're not tracking and charting and approaching this like other arts other practices other hobbies that have been around longer that have more credible background and trainers and data to keep people progressing forward and of course i do that Right. So you would say, well, you're biased because you have rifle craft and you coach and you train and you do assessments. Yeah, totally. But I'm not telling you you have to do that to get better. Like people get good without it. You know, I'm saying do if if you want to do it on your own, do it on your own. But be aware that a lot of the stuff that we do and we trust is the same stuff that's holding us back from getting better. 
there are ways to get past that. And you kind of have to discover it for your own. And I think one of the first things to do is to figure out what the beliefs that you hold true, right? And that you trust in and rely on are incorrect and which ones are holding you back from making that next step forward to solve the problems that keep getting you when you go out and not having the success in those areas that you want to have and, and keep scratching your head. Like wonder why that keeps happening, man, why the stages like that get me, man, how can the wind gets me, you know, one match I have a high hit rate and one match I have a low hit rate. Like what, what's up with that? How do you explain that? If you, you can't just write it off as well, you know, there's the wind or, Oh, well, you know, it's my load or I need a new scope. Or I hear that I hear if I have this reticle, like my life's going to change. Like, no, but there are answers for sure. I think all answers are discoverable, whether we know it or not yet, it's possible to figure it out. Right. I definitely believe in science. And I think that this is based in science and, you know, athleticism and performance. And I think we can discover more truths but sometimes to discover more truths you have to let go of the ones that you believe so that better ones that solve more problems can present themselves we do that by trial and error right go to a range and start a bunch of trial and error make lists make exercises did this work yes or no could it work yes or no when would it work when wouldn't it yes you know and start making up those Big tables of data, big tables of experience, big tables of how you explain it to yourself. Does it make sense? Right? It, because everything that we do should make sense, should have an explanation. And if it has an explanation and makes sense, then you should be able to demonstrate it. And so you should be able to ask those experts that you listen to, to show you, right? Show me on the doll. Show me on the target. Show me how you do this. You should be able to do it like with reasonable proficiency. They can't do that. It's just garbage. Right. And that's, that's how I see things. So uh, I'm going to sign off uh, for this one, but I'm going to continue as planned as usual, uh, just to keep sharing my growth and experience in my journey through precision rifle shooting, sharing it with those of you that want to listen and, for those of you that don't want to listen or annoyed by this, uh, my suggestion would be to unsubscribe or whatever and go listen to someone else. You know, they'll tell you happier, fancier, sexier things probably. And we'll keep tracking your results, I guess, too. Till then, I uh, hope everybody had a good holiday season and the New Year's is coming up. You know, Be safe. And I will see you at matches next year on the range, on the podcast, or at an event. Hit me up. Uh, on Instagram, Facebook, or through Riflecraft. And I appreciate everyone that listens and everyone that supports the podcast. We're, we're continuing to update the website and put out more offerings for people that want to come participate in events. We launched a 12-week, well, it's private and it's for a select group of subscribers, but it will potentially go public or go out to more subscribers, but a, a virtual training program uh, that we're, you know, we're testing it here for you know, the next 12 weeks. Um, I'll talk about some of the results of that 
um, as they come out. And then the competition season starts in a couple of weeks. Uh, my rifles aren't really ready yet, but they will be in time for that stuff to start rolling out. But I'm really excited to, you know, kind of do the four discipline. You know, I hope to, I hope to do four PRS matches. You know, I'm, I'm thinking it might be fun to do more than four, uh, but I definitely want to do more PRS matches this year than I did last year with the NRL gone. Um, you know, that, that outlet is one that I need to fill and enjoy and want to do. And there just aren't as many options or opportunities in Colorado. Um, but it sounds like there might be more around here um, to kind of fill that portion of the pie and then field matches, team matches, run a gun and some other things that we'll be talking about. But, you know, I like that diversity and the, the kind of full spectrum bolt gunning stuff so i'll talk about that i'll continue to talk about that and um if you guys want to hear more of this you can always subscribe to the rifle craft website as a subscriber you get more metrics you get emails you get training ideas and you get a second podcast like this called the subcast and i talk about more of the same stuff um but it's double the content and it's double the topics. I try not to keep those topics on this podcast. And, you know, obviously these podcast episodes are available to them too. So, um, you know, to me, it seems like a win-win for people that want to support it and like this. And obviously, if you, you know, again, like if you don't, if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Like I, I don't, I just don't comprehend why. Yeah. Just that part of some of the, culture i don't understand whatsoever like i keep listening to your podcast and, you know and then there's all sorts of crazy things and it's like uh what sounds crazy to me is that you listen to podcasts at all like man i, I don't you know if i if i listen to something and i don't like it i never listen to it again <laughs> and, again, and i'm perfectly happy about it like you know you definitely don't need to listen to this if you don't like it if you're not getting anything from it you're never going to get anything from it if you get stuff from it then you probably continue to get stuff from it so um you know i don't I don't know what to say uh so um i'm starting to sound like that bearded guy that chad shared uh but you know do what makes you happy if it makes you happy keep doing it and be happy so with that i'll talk to you guys later <laughs>